Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Good morning. Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries once again, where Dwayne L. Wright is the lead pastor. My name is Courtney, and I am honored to be sharing today's message with you. Um, I bring you greetings from the secret place. I've been living in the realities of Psalm 91, and that's what I want to talk about today. I know many of you have been living in the reality of Psalm 91 too, but I feel, I sense, some people haven't been able to connect with it, um, not in a way that um, would help them with what we're going through right now. So I wanted to kind of bring some clarity to that and help others and, um, and remind uh, the rest of us who have been living in the reality of Psalm 91 what's available to us. Um, so I'm grateful to be here in his presence today with you to tell you all about it and share that with you. But before we get started, I just want to take some time to thank and appreciate my husband, our pastor, none other than the person of Dwayne L. Wright. Happy Pastors Appreciation Month to you. And I pray you know just how much you are loved and appreciated by those that you lead here at Kingdom Living Ministries, including me, your wife. So thank you for trusting me um, to bring today's message while you take some time to rest and enjoy this month. And thank you to our sons who let mommy go for the morning. I'm entrusting the bacon making to daddy. Okay, so daddy's going to make your bacon and your oatmeal and all of that. And I know he'll feed you well. Right, honey? <laughs> I love you all very much. I also want to take this time to honor my mother-in-law, Minister Jackie Dixon, founder of this church, along with her precious husband, Reverend Johnny D. Dixon, who's been in heaven for nearly 12 years now. Thank you, Mom Jackie, for your obedience and support and all you've done to make sure this ministry lives on for the glory of God. Um, we honor and appreciate you as well. And since we're online, I'm about to do something that I don't really get to do. I don't think I've ever been able to do, especially not you know, living here in New Jersey. I get to shout out my parents, Robert and Mary Scott and my sisters Nikichi, we call her Kiki and Robin down in Columbia, South Carolina. Also want to shout out my brother-in-law, Ryan, and my nieces, all of you who I love dearly and don't get to see nearly as much as I would like to um, in person. But thank God for social media and thank God for you know my monthly and semi-monthly trips down to South Carolina. And also to all of our family and friends, um, both Dwayne's and mine, across the country. If you're watching, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We pray you will be blessed. And of course, last but certainly not least, I must shout out the best church family in the land, Kingdom Living Ministries members and our guests, our friends, but mostly our members. Thank y'all so much. I love you tremendously. You know that. Um, I love all of you, my family, my friends, church family, um, each of you. I love you very much. And I thank God for your presence in our lives. It truly is a gift. And I just wanted to take some time to do that this morning because I don't usually get to do it. Also, I want to take this time to welcome those who are worshiping with us for the very first time at Kingdom Living Ministries. Welcome. We pray you will be blessed. And um, I, I think you will be if you stick around with us, if you stuck around this far to get through that long introduction of greeting. So now let us prepare for today's message and let's go to prayer. Go to the Lord in prayer. All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful to once again be gathered together in the way that we can right now um, around your word on your day 
This is the day that is set aside for us to be together and hear from you and honor you and honor your command. So God, we thank you, Father, for the assembling, even through um, this virtual service this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for sending me your handmaiden to deliver this word to your people. I don't take it lightly. Lord, I pray that you will have your way in me right now, that you will honor every ounce of preparation, that I might boldly make known the mystery of the gospel through this psalm, that people who have not been able to be comforted will be comforted, that people who have not been able to enjoy the peace and the freedom and the safety of the secret place will now more than ever be equipped to do so. I pray, Father, that this word from your book, from your lips, through my mouth, Lord, that it would touch people, that it would bless people, that it would fall on good ground, that each hearer would be able to understand and, and have clarity around your word and your love for us. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for David who is here um, doing the, the technical work so that this can even be possible. Thank you for his leadership and his, and his service. And God, I just thank you once again for all who are under the sound of my voice. Bless us all as we look to honor you by knowing more of you through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, let's get started. So as I said, I bring you greetings from the secret place. And I mean that, all right? It's why um, I was supposed to talk about or preach about the power of the seed. And we're going to do that one day, but I was really impressed to go in this direction because it's been a blessing to me. So I'm just going to start off. We're just going to go ahead and get started. No more introduction. I'm going to start off by um, reading to you Psalm 91. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Okay. That's the NLT. So let's get right to it. Psalm 91 verse one, those who live in the shelter of the most high will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, those evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, nor plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those whose trust is in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in, in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life 
and give them my salvation. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Today, I want to let you know that we are safe right here. That we are safe right now. That's the title of today's message, Safe Right Here, an exposition of Psalm 91. So I just want to start off with this quote from the Bible Project because I think that it pretty much sums up. Um, it's a good summation of what the book of Psalms is. And it says this, through the Psalms, we learn about the importance of prayer and the acknowledgement of pain, as well as the power of praise and the fulfillment of prophecy. Isn't that beautiful? That's the Bible Project. They do a good job over there. Um, I want to say it again. Through the Psalms, we learn about the importance of prayer, the acknowledgement of pain, the power of praise, and the fulfillment of prophecy. So there are five books within the book of Psalms. I don't know if you knew that. And actually, Psalm 90 and Psalm 91 are the transition, well, they're the introduction to the fourth book, but they're kind of transitioning out of <laughs> some craziness in book three. So um, the first three books of the book of Psalms, so there are five, um, the first book deals with the personal struggles that David um, had as the anointed king of Israel. You know, we know David struggled, right? He was a man after his own heart, but he had some struggles. And then book two, discusses the persistent struggles of the kingdom with all of the enemies that are attacking. And then by the time we get to book three, um, we see the devastation and destruction of the temple at Jerusalem and exile. So that's all going on. The, the, the temple has been destroyed and there's been destruction and you know all kinds of stuff that have been going on. And then we get here to these Psalms um, most scholars agree, well, all scholars really agree that Moses is the writer of Psalm 90, but um, most agree that David wrote Psalm 91, almost like in response or um, as a follow-up to that. And this is interesting because those of us familiar with the Psalms know how David um, and other writers in the earlier books were detailing all of this brokenness and this suffering that we talked about. Even amid the prayers of deliverance and the declaration of God's power and attributes, they were crying out to break the teeth of the wicked and all that kind of stuff. You know, just these dramatic illustrations of, of, of fear and, and of um, just destruction and the things, the sadness and the brokenness. But then here comes a revelation in Psalm 91 after all of that that transcends their reality of defeat and despair. So that's how we're getting to this understanding of the secret place. So let's start in, in, in verse one. Um, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Um, your translation might say, he that, um, um, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall live under the shadow of the Almighty. It's you know, the same thing. Living in the shelter of the secret place as opposed to seeking the Lord's presence in the temple. Because see, the temple was destroyed. So here is this revelation, this communicated understanding that intimate solitude with God, even though the temple is destroyed, God is not destroyed, God is still there. Even though they can't assemble and do all of the ceremonial things that they do, David understands that though the Lord's dwelling place is gone, those who love him, can still make a decision to dwell with him. 
not visit, but live, stay in that place, make the Lord their habitation. So I'm from down south, y'all know that. And it's interesting, the vernacular that people have, you know, from region to region. And one of the things I never understood or ascribed to is that, have you ever heard people say, I stay here? And they're talking about they live in a place. They say, I stay, I stay there. I never understood it. I don't, I don't particularly like it because it's not accurate. Y'all know I'm, I'm, I love words. I love vocabulary. I love um, using words properly and in context. Amen. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have a new appreciation for people who say they stay someplace rather than they live or reside in a place. Because when you stay someplace, that means that's your home base. That means you really never leave. And that's the idea of dwelling in the secret place, in the shelter of the Most High. You're making a decision to stay there. You're staying there. You're not tipping in and tipping out, or tipping in and tipping out. <laughs> You're staying there. Verse two, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. So this, this I declare, or your translation may say, I will say of the Lord, there's actually a distinction being made here. This I will declare, or I will say this versus what they are saying. So again, these sayings, you know, people, they, they say stuff and they come up with sayings and, and things like that. The vernacular is so cool. I love to laugh and there's so many good comedians, right, on social media on Instagram, Facebook, um, and when I want to giggle about something, I might go and look at them, but call me old school. I have a little guilty pleasure where I can appreciate a, a good old Saturday Night Live sketch, a clean one, all right, because I'm not trying to subject myself to some of that stuff, but, you know, or in Living Color, or some of those Comedy Central shows, just like going through and searching on YouTube for a clip I might remember that I saw when I was younger. Um, it had a different appetite, <laughs> but, um, there's one that's not so old on um, Saturday Night Live. It's a Jeopardy sketch. And one of the categories introduced a saying to me that I had not heard before. They out here saying. Y'all remember that? They out here saying. <laughs> Sorry. This might be too far for some people, but I know some of you are with me. They out here saying, you know, and people would take that category and play, you know, Jeopardy. And y'all know what Jeopardy they would play, but I'm not going to go there. So it makes me think about the fact that folks are always out here saying something. Especially now when we're out here on social media, there's a whole group of people who can believe or think something that may be totally different from what I think, and they'll find a group of people who agree with them, and then they'll be out there saying whatever they're saying about what they're talking about, right? This common viewpoint. But the fact that they are in agreement with each other doesn't mean that it's true. It's just a set of itching ears that found a tribe. So it could be gossip. It might be a legitimate conversation about something going on in the world today. Lord knows there's a lot going on today, um, and people have opinions about it. Um, but either way, there exists somewhere a collective with a perspective that if one isn't careful, it could overtake the more weak-minded or unstudied or inexperienced of us. So this is very true about the main issues of today and likewise about Christianity and the attributes of God. As the old folks would say, know that you know what you know. 
Know it in your knower. So no matter what they are saying out there, no matter what they're out here saying, no matter what they say, whoever they are, usually they are either the enemies of God or those who are ignorant or misinformed about God. No matter what they say, this is what I will say about God. This is what I know to be true. He alone is my refuge, like verse 2 says, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. I trust him. I know he is my God. I know he is not just my salvation, but he's a location. He's a place where I can go. I recognize that he exists in a building, not made by hands, that he's everywhere all the time, all around me. And because I believe that, I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am found safe in him. That's the reality of Psalm 91 verse 2. If you agree with that right where you are, just say amen. I can't hear you, but go ahead and, and you know, comment amen in the comments there. Verse 3, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Now, come on now. That's right where we're living right now. And as I said before, previous Psalms discussed the different things that David, his kingdom, and the subjects were facing with the enemies of Israel but understand that the enemies of, of Israel were constantly at war with them, trying to destroy them. And those strategies include deception and entrapment. So that, that's, that's like that's the art of war, right? But the other part of it is remember that the people of Israel, they, they kept the Torah, including Leviticus. So diseases crept in from nations who were invading, maybe, perhaps. They weren't just coming in with their weapons and warfare and agendas. They were spreading their unchecked pestilences. And we know how that kind of relates to us in the more modern Western world with the diseases that Europeans brought to the Americas and the Caribbean and wiped out you know, a lot of indigenous peoples. Or even look now what's going on with COVID-19. Some people wash their hands, some people wear the masks, others don't. You know, Some people follow the guidelines set forth, some people don't. Different standards, customs, and behaviors can make people who are not used to them prone to diseases rampant in those nations. But God will protect the one who dwells with him from disease. When you dwell with him, you don't have to live in fear. And we're going to talk more about um, the context of disease later on, uh, another um, idea uh, around this. Because it wasn't just uh, that, but there, was, there were pestilences that Israel was dealing with, one of them was actually David's fault, but I'll, I'll get there in a minute. So we'll go to verse four. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Again, so we're still, we're still in this warfare type of illustration. It could be a, a, an allusion to warfare because battle is a context when it comes to armor and protection, right? You're covered, surrounded, sheltered from battle when you have on the right, you know, um, armor. So, and he will keep you from evil when you have on, you know, um, spiritually when you have on the right armor. Remember we talk about the armor of God. But this warfare illustration that his faithful promises are your armor and protection in the midst of a war-torn war and embattled Israel, the faithful promises are your armor and protection. Well, I want to ask you, what battle are you facing right now? What are God's faithful promises? Do you know them? Know what he said so you can know what to say and what to expect. 
So all of that is good, but this next verse takes us even deeper into an understanding of God's promises and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. So at one glance, this can just continue to be talking about combat warfare and, and that kind of illustration, the fear of an unknown attack because of the knowledge of enemies at large. But let's remember the context here. To the people of the Middle East, they would recognize the word arrow to represent pestilence and disease. And to the people of Israel, they would have immediately recalled the Passover. Because when, when the firstborn of, of the Egyptians, remember, were, were killed in the middle of the night because the death angel came, but he passed over um, the, the people of Israel if they had the blood applied to their doorpost. Everybody is straight with the Passover, right? So this is a command here. Don't be afraid because you know the blood prevails. I want somebody to hear that this morning. Don't be afraid because you know the blood prevails. You know, they had the blood of the Passover lamb, but I'm telling you right now, those of us engrafted know it to be true that the blood of Jesus, the lamb slain for once and for all before the foundations of the world, that blood has prevailed. It's enough. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid because the blood prevails. Amen. Somebody hear that this morning? The blood prevails. It's already been applied to the mercy seat. The blood prevails. So you don't have to be afraid of the arrow of pestilence and disease, of COVID-19, of cancer, whatever else is trying to come at you that's around you, that may be in your family, as people say, or you know, you may uh, inherited types of disease and um, affliction. You don't have, no, the blood of Jesus prevails. So do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. That's verse six. Verse seven, though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, those evils will not touch you. Verse eight, just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. So those verses also bring to mind Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And they would have known that. That would have been on David's mind. God made a distinction between the godly and the ungodly when it came to the Egyptians and the people of Israel. And he has continued to do this and he will continue to do it. He's doing it now. Does that mean that only the ungodly are contracting COVID-19 and other, thing, other diseases or that we should rejoice at the calamity of the others? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that we can rejoice in how we are preserved in the midst of evil, in the midst of destruction, in the midst of beholding it happening all around us. It's not happening to us. We can rejoice and we don't have to be afraid. Whether you're afflicted or not, whether you have a diagnosis, a positive test result or not, you don't have to be afraid. So with fear and trembling, instead, consider what we will do with the lives we've been given and how we can glorify God while we're still here, while we're being preserved, while he's holding back the flood of the enemy. Verse 9 if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. So I love this one. People who have spent any time talking to me over the last few weeks, you, you know it comes up in a conversation that um, you know we have this, this, this verse, verse 10, no plague will come near your home. I know PD and I, we, <laughs> that, that's a scripture that we pray. It won't come near us. Are we praying in fear? Are we praying, you know, as fanatics or people who just, you know, we don't stay consumed with thinking about 
what's out there all the time. But at the same time, anytime we leave the house and go somewhere, we got to put that face mask on so it is around us. But it doesn't come near us. It's not affecting us. And I'm saying you can declare that today. The mention of plagues in verse 10 reminds, uh, brings to mind the plagues of Egypt and how God shielded his people from them. Remember that the previous Psalm, Psalm 90, was written by Moses. So, you know, David's coming right after this in light of that. You know, here is Psalm 91 echoing those truths and an understanding of that period of history as, as a Jewish man. But we also have to keep in mind that in 2 Samuel 24, this is what I was talking about earlier, David himself chose a three-day plague for his people. God gave him three options. Um, because he was mad at Israel <laughs> and he gave him three, he gave David three punishment options to choose from. And David decided on the plague because it didn't put Israel in the hands of the enemy. But he saw 70,000 of his people die from this plague. Now, I'm not really sure when he wrote Psalm 91 because this plague that, that, um, that he chose for the people, this was near the end of his reign at the end of his life. But in verse 25 of 2 Samuel 24, David builds an altar and prepares a burnt offering and a peace offering to the Lord in exchange for stopping the plague. So note the condition. If you make the Lord your refuge, that's verse 9, and your dwelling place, you get to move into the, sacred, the, the secret place and take your residence there in faith, and that plague won't come near you. But you will see the destruction of others. You will see other people suffer from it. And that's kind of where we are right now. I know people who have lost many loved ones. And, you know, my heart grieves for them. But in the same breath, the God that I pray to to comfort them and protect them and to keep them in the midst of this tragedy, I can rejoice and thank God that he has kept his promise to me and my family. It's sobering. We talk a lot on the women's prayer call that we have um, each week about survivor's remorse. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to feel sorry that you've survived and someone else didn't. The reality of the secret place is that he keeps you safe, that you're hidden from it, but it doesn't stop what's going on from going on. Thankfully, David was able to bring a stop to it, but the Lord had already said he was going to do it for three days, so I'm really trying to still understand that myself. But anyway, I digress. We're going to move on to verse 11. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go, verse 11 says in the New Living Translation. Verse 12, they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Some translations say you won't dash your foot on a stone. So angels get their instruction from the Lord. Also, from 2 Samuel, um, we see that God ordered an angel to stop because he was about to destroy Jerusalem, and he says, stop. And so he, he, he calls angels to protect us. He calls angelic beings, even in Genesis, we see them. Um, we're doing a Bible reading. Those of you, I know David is doing it and some others um, here. We're doing a Bible reading, and we just went through Genesis and Exodus, and you see these biblical accounts of angelic beings. And David, of course, would have known about that as he was writing this, talking about how these angels are under the Lord's command to protect you wherever you go. That is a benefit of the secret place. Verse 13, you will trample upon lions and cobras. 
You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. So again, we're in a poetic book. Um, and you know, the Psalm is the like, the book of Psalms is like the most poetic of the poetic books, right? And this is just a poetic way that the writer is saying that Israel will triumph over their enemies. And we know time and time again, scripture talks about us triumphing over our enemies. This again is also something that we can partake of here in the new covenant, that we will triumph over our enemies. And I love the ending of Psalm 91, because I think it sums up everything very clearly in a way that if you don't really understand the context or the history or what's going on, it's just very straightforward. So I'm gonna read through to the end. We're almost done. Thanks for hanging in with me. We're almost done with the exposition. We, I do have some points too. But in verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. In the last verse 16, I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So even in this, right here, in the midst of what we're going through as a nation, as a state, as a church family, we're not able to meet right here in this room because it's too small for us to observe the guidelines properly. No matter where you find yourself right now today, I want you to know that if you've chosen the good part, the secret place to put yourself at his feet, to hide his word in your heart, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to be hidden under the shadow of the Almighty, know that you are rescued and protected from the pestilence of this age. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as you knowing it. It's as simple as you trusting it. Know that in this time of trouble, with everything going on, because we know there's more than just COVID-19, there's a lot going on right now. But know that in this time of trouble, God is with you and he is for you. Hallelujah. So do you want to live right here? Do you want to stay right here? Do you want to be safe right here? This is how you do it. These are my points. So I just went through the exposition. It wasn't exhaustive. Those were just some things to bring context to maybe bring you a little bit closer to the passage so that you can more easily apply it to your life. But I do have some practical points and they're very straightforward. This is how you become safe right here. If you're not, if you know, you say, Courtney, I, I, I know that scripture, but I'm not really sure I'm living in the secret place. Or for those of us who know we stand right here, here's a reminder. Um, um, here's some steps, um, simple keys, I call them, to dwelling in the secret place. Now, there is a prerequisite that is not one of the three steps, and that is you got to repent and know God. There are no unbelievers in the secret place. Please make no mistake about it. I have to clarify that and say that because you got people around here saying, they plead in Psalm 91 and well, Romans 10, have you been there? But anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying, so you gotta, you gotta be a believer, all right? To, to ha know the benefits of the secret place, to be in the secret place. You must be born again to get up under the shadow. Everybody, on the, everybody understand? Okay, but please realize not every believer who, who has, who, who does believe, is dwelling in the secret place. And that's who I'm here to help today. So that you know that you have a right 
to be up under the shadow. And we want to get you there today, okay? Um, or if you're a frequent visitor, we want to help you stay there. Amen. So these are three simple keys to dwelling in the secret place. How you get there, how you stay there. Number one, love God. He says, I will rescue those who love me. So then I think the question is, well, how do we love God? I love God. You don't love. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> how do we love God? We keep his commandments. That's how we love him. The word is very clear on that. John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. You can't obey what you don't know. That's why y'all need to join us on this Bible reading plan. Okay, I'm sorry. Plug. First John 2 says this. Uh, actually, I'm going to go in here a little bit more. First John 2, verses 1 through 6. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. This is the New Living Translation. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Verse 3, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Verse 4, this is what I'm talking about right here. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. Wow. Verse five, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Let me say that again. Verse five, those who obey God's word truly show how they completely, excuse me, how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So if you love God, if you know God, if you live in God, you obey his commandments. That's how we love him. Yes, there's grace. That's why we need mercy every day. Mercy every day to love God the right way. Mercy every day to love the people around us the right way now. The way we love God is not the way. I, I love you, David, but I'm not going to obey everything you say because you're not God. Okay, understand there's a difference. <laughs> okay, understand there's a difference. But still, there's mercy every day to love whoever we're loving the right way, specifically the Lord God. And the other thing I want to say about loving God is that love is simply obedience. That's it. Love God. Obey. Number two, trust God. Because he says in the 15th verse, I will protect those who trust in my name. Or the second part of, of verse 14, I'm sorry, of Psalm 91. He says, I will protect those who trust my name. So the second point is trust God. Don't rely on your own understanding, but believe what God says and rely on that. And we all know so, um, Proverbs 3 um, verses 5 through 6. That's um, a popular one. Everybody committed to memory. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. See, I know it in King James, not in LT. But yes, trust God. That's the second point. And the third key to dwelling in the secret place is to pray in faith. Because he says... In verse 14, in 15 of Psalm 91, when they call on me, I will answer. I like the way that 1 John 5 and 15 illustrates this. And this is the New Living Translation of 1 John 5, 15. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So you know you're in the secret place when you can love God, trust God, and pray in faith. When you know you're safe, you're safe. Let me say this. I am persuaded. I am convinced. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. I don't care what's going on right now because see, I done got a revelation. I'm living the reality of Psalm 91 right now in the midst of all this craziness and confusion. I've got my peace in the midst of the storm. I've got my place in the secret place. And just as we prepare to close, I got one more scripture. I'm sorry. I just, it got good to me and I just kept adding scriptures to this, but I'm reminded in my personal declaration and application of Psalm 91, I'm reminded of the first three verses of the very first chapter of Psalms, the book of Psalms. And it says this Psalm one verses one through three. This again is the new living translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. And I just want to say this because if we look at verse 15 of Psalm 91, he says this, I will rescue and honor them. I don't care what they are out there saying. I give no place to the counsel of the wicked or the faithless words of sinners or even the faithless words of believers and certainly not those who are mocking God. I delight in the word of God. I meditate on it day and night and I have good success even in this season, even amid a pandemic, even in the midst of the scourge of mass unemployment and fear and systemic racism and corruption and a broken society and a faithless, wicked, perverse generation, I am bearing fruit. Hallelujah. I am blessed. I am kept. I've been redeemed. I'm prospering to the glory of God. I am safe. I am hidden from the heat of oppression and destruction because I'm in the shade or the shadow of the Almighty. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be afraid. For he is with me and I am with him safe right here. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for helping me to communicate what you communicated to my heart. Thank you, Lord, for those nights at the onset of this thing where I wasn't quite sure, quite settled in my spirit, but you led me to this song. And now on this day, I was able to share with my brothers and my sisters. I pray, Father, that you were pleased. I pray, Father, that this word has fallen on good ground, that those who heard it will remember it and will apply it to their lives. I pray that you will help all of us remember that we are safe right here, that we are safe right now, that no matter what comes, that you have us and you're keeping us. And as we submit to you and stay in the secret place, 
that we will enjoy the benefits of being in your presence and at peace in you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope that blessed somebody. All right. Um, you know, as, as I'm going through my notes and everything, I'm not always sure if it hits you the way that it hit me. But um, I pray that you are blessed. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.